welcome to Girl Code. Hello, sexy people. We missed you guys. It's been like two weeks now again. Yeah, I'll miss you. Sorry, that was my fault. <laughs> Last week. Oh, yes. Uh, my Sorry. bad. We can laugh about it semi now. Mm, are we <laughs> there It's still yet? pretty fresh. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about last week. Should I go into it? Do you want to say okay. what happened? <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So I was driving um, to come and record the podcast on Tuesday. It's currently Thursday when we're recording. And basically, I had a car accident. I'm fine. Everyone involved is fine. Thank God. Um, I'll explain what happened. And I didn't really talk about it on Instagram or anything. Um, but I was thinking last night that I probably should talk about it. Not to be like, meh, but as kind of uh what's the a word? lesson a lesson and if one person drives a little bit safer because they heard this i would feel amazing so basically what happened um i was just going through a normal road probably doing like 40 or, i don't know how much i don't know what speed i was going it was just like a normal road driving 40 through, or 50 yeah driving through the traffic lights like free flowing it was a green light i was going smooth sailings to go through the green light and a car basically pulled out in front of the car in front of me and the car in front of me was like a big suv like a big car and i was as you guys know i have a little master too well past tense we no longer have <laughs> she's no longer with us she's no longer with us um and yeah a car pulled out in front of the car in front of me car in front of me hit the brakes i hit the brakes however it'd been raining so i skidded and smashed into the back of that car and completely rode off my car the window um airbags yeah airbags hit me in the face windscreen shattered um my door got crumpled in. I couldn't get out. It was just an absolute shit car show. Car was smoking. Car was smoking. Oil all over the road. It was an absolute fuck fest. Um, I'm trying to be like really lighthearted about it, but I was really rattled by it. Um, yeah. So, anyways, everyone was fine, which was obviously the main concern. I was just so stoked when I got out of my car because I got stuck in there, which was also epic. Um, yeah. So everyone was fine. But what I really want to drill into you guys is. That happened. I completely rode off my car. Like, it's gone. Um, I, in like a split second. And that was when I was paying 100% attention to the road. I was fully aware of my surroundings. I was driving. I The second I saw the red light of the car in front of me's brakes hit, I hit my brakes. So, for me to completely ride off my car when I was driving immaculately... <laughs> I just keep thinking in my head, what if I was looking at my phone? What if I was changing the radio station? What if I was adjusting the temperature of my air conditioning? What if I was just looking at a street sign because I wasn't sure where my next turn was? Like, I would probably have had severe, like, serious injuries. Um, yeah, so <laughs> please, when you're driving, I want to see all of our Girl Code listeners get home every time in one piece. Just stay alert, stay focused, don't... I swear, to, do not go on your phone when you drive. I know it's illegal, but I still see people doing it on the roads and I cannot stress enough, like, how quickly your whole life can change. Um, this is what we were talking about all day on yeah. Tuesday is, like, how different everything could have been if, like, it just went a different way. And, like, it's uh, car accidents can escalate so quickly. Yeah. So it's just really scary. So everyone use Caitlin's experience as a, a lesson. We'll sacrifice my poor little baby master to... Um, for the girl codes, driver <laughs> safety. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I'm like trying to be super lighthearted about it, but it's like super serious. And I know 
um, it can be hard. Sometimes I feel like we take cars for granted mm. and we just assume that everything's fine when we're on the road, but it really is so fucking dangerous. Like, driving a car, you have so much control over your own lives and the lives of the people around you, so don't take it lightly when you're driving. It's a privilege and you have to take it really seriously and be so aware. Um, yeah, anyways, that was really deep, but on a lighter note... What's, yeah. <laughs> what else has been happening, Mads? Um, well, okay, I just feel like I just need a minute after that. Yes, yeah, sorry, I literally was, I feel like I was just being a mum. I was like, guys. Um, no, but it's important. It's but so important. You know what? Recently, my life has actually been consumed by a new TV show that I've been watching. Oh, God, I have not stopped Well, we've been in lockdown, as you guys know, Um, so everyone's been at home. We've just been working, going for walks, and That's... watching my new TV show, which is just fantastic. So it's just porn. It's, it's porn with, <laughs> with a, a semi storyline. Story it's like reality porn, but like extended over a few episodes. I'm sure you guys have probably heard of it. It's called Sex Life. It's so good. It's keeping me sane in this lockdown. I finished it so quickly, but it's amazing. I got Kaylin onto it. I know. She was. I was like so sad after my accident. Yeah. And Maddie was like, "Anyways, go watch, <laughs> go watch Sex Life. Like it'll make you feel better." And it did. Um. Yeah, fuck, it's actually so good. What's the timestamp? I need to get the... Season three. Oh, shit, you know the timestamp. I just sent a TikTok. I sent you the TikTok. Yeah, I screenshot it. Season three something. Uh, Oh, season three, fast forward to 19 minutes and 50 seconds. Report back with everyone's thoughts. Take a photo of your face when you hit 19 minutes and 50 seconds of season three. (laughs) Actually, only do that if you're over 18, by the way. It's R18 plus if you're under 18. Oh, yeah. Don't fucking do that. Yeah, don't. If you guys... My little sister, do not skip to 19 actually yeah that's a good point (laughs) this um tv shows actually are 18 plus so any 18 year olds don't watch this but for all our um, above 18 year olds gal get onto it get absolutely onto it it's it's so horny i'm not even really sure about the storyline i just oh see i still like the story really i'm still so involved i'm not i don't know who's team i'm on i'm lost i don't know if i'm team brad or if i'm team cooper honestly Oh, so many questions. Uh, wait, I have so many Should questions. we do a poll? Let's do a poll. Oh, yes, Let's poll. Let's do a poll. If anyone's watching it. I'm only up to episode three, um, but I I would want to marry someone like Cooper. I think he's so That's, cute. No, this is what you think. Right, okay. I feel like I started off all Team Cooper. I was right. like, no, Team Cooper, Team Cooper. But now I finished. I'm like, am I Team Brad? I did find it slightly alarming when Cooper was quite literally wanking to his wife's like, erotic stories about her ex-boyfriend. I was like, whoa. I can see it. But I was just like, invasive? No. I don't know. I mean, there's... Yeah. I don't think I could get off this. If if I found my boyfriend had a journal detailing his sex with his ex, I don't think I'd find that horny. <laughs> I feel like that's such a big kink for some people. Though. Right. Oh, actually, so true. So it's just true. not my thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I can see how that could be. Like, cuckold, isn't mm. it? Mmm. All this sex chat, and it does not stop here. We have a this whole is, episode. This is great timing to introduce you guys <laughs> to our guest on today's episode. It's actually, we just finished recording with her, and it was such a fascinating conversation. I feel like I could have listened to her speak on the topic for so long. She's so well-spoken, and she has so much knowledge around mm. all the topics as well. So I hope you guys find it a really insightful conversation. I think I liked what she said as well, how... I think it's great that we are normalising the topic a little bit more. I think mm. even when we were, I guess, growing up, sex was kind of like a taboo. Like, you don't really oh talk about God. it. It's not really yeah. like a, 
you know, common conversation um, that you can explore. So hopefully you guys find it interesting. Honestly, I'm so obsessed with Georgia. I think she is so fucking cool and so well-spoken. I felt so stupid talking to her because she just speaks so well and is so educated on sex. And I'm so glad that we could get her on to answer the questions that we get sent so often, you know, and we obviously do our best to answer. But we just don't have the background of knowledge. No, we are not in any way, shape or form qualified. We are just, you know, going from personal experience so it was really nice to have her come on and really dive deep on these topics not us just being like i don't know um (laughs) and for a little bit of background so george is actually a sex coach yes yes oh yes (laughs) yes that's correct um yeah so she's a sex coach and she has a really awesome instagram page which we do plug throughout the episode and we'll also leave down below um where she just covers pretty much everything you would want to know about sex in a really easy to digest way so i definitely recommend looking on her instagram um but yeah no she's epic so hopefully you guys enjoy this episode yes. and let's get into it all right well welcome welcome to a pod we have georgia here today and we just want to get to know you so you're a sex coach right yes yes, yes. do you want to tell that us a me. little bit about what a sex coach is yeah so I guess as a sex coach I work with individuals and couples and groups and I work with people in a range of different ways so I work in session whereby people might come to see me at my space in Redfern in Sydney or um, online and I'd support people with a range of concerns or issues or inquiries that might be sort of everything from issues with their relationship to sexual function concerns like premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, not being able to climax. Um, But then I also work in sort of larger group settings. So in workshops, I run at least a weekly workshop when it's not COVID (laughs) and when we're not in lockdown. Yeah. Um, And then under that sort of falls into sort of speaking engagements. And yes, before the pandemic, I would travel around Australia and speak to a range of different groups of people, ages, sexualities, genders and and all of that. Um, But that has kind of thrown a spanner in the works. But of course, still doing a lot online, which I think is so great that I can work in that way. And then the other part to the way that I work is I have a background in journalism and PR. So I am often speaking um, with media, writing for a range of Australian publications. um, And I also work as an in an advisory or ambassador role for a few brands that I love and trust and support them in everything from um, product development to language, content and all of those things. So it's a pretty varied um, way to work. And, yeah, I guess I've drawn on my my background but also um, the – if I'm sort of thinking about how or what I want to do and it's basically to change the way we understand and speak about sex. So I love that I can see people in session, but I also recognise that not everyone can get to me, not everyone can access me. So that's why I've sort of figured out different ways to work with people. Wow. That's a really interesting background to go from PR to now a sex coach. So Mm -hmm. how did that jump, I guess, happen for you? 
Yeah, it actually did feel like a jump. I remember one day riding my bike home from work and being like, what am I doing? I, I can't be, I can't do this job anymore. Um, I can't sort of work in this way. I need to um, dedicate my life to sex and pleasure. And it didn't really come out of nowhere. I've always been really fascinated about sex and curious about bodies and relationships. And like many people, I always had lots of questions that I never got answers to from sex education. My friends didn't know anything. The internet sort of fed me lies and <laughs> a lot of misinformation. And then, yeah, it was around the time of, you know, all of these sexual revolutions emerging with were speaking about the Me Too movement and there was lots of information emerging about the orgasm gap and I just wanted to be a part of the um, practitioners and pioneers who had been working in this space for years and years before me. Um, but, yeah, so then I, I decided not to go down the um, purely sexology route um, because my interest was sort of m moving towards an emerging space maybe not emerging but the mainstream was becoming aware of it and that's um, somatic sexology which is essentially the meeting of um, awareness of the body so somatic and sexology the scientific study of sex so yeah since I quit my job I've studied a range of different areas within somatic sexology and I'm certified in um, embodied counseling body work um, sexological body work, somatic sex education and coaching, um, professional training and working with vaginismus. And I'm currently doing my uh, trauma-informed yoga teacher training. So, oh my yeah. Oh, it's uh, You have lots on. Lots going on. Yeah, that's epic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things because – you know, it is such an emerging space and every year there's more research, every year there's a new approach to working with bodies and sexuality. So we do, if we plan to work in this space, we have to be up to date and we have to keep learning so that we can support people in the best way possible. Oh, that's amazing. I can definitely mm. tell now that you've mentioned you have a background in um, PR and journalism, your Instagram is so amazing. I was telling Maddie in the, yeah. the way you <laughs> She's write. She's raving about it. Yeah, the way you write your posts and everything, it's just so well-spoken. So I can I can definitely see that now that you've mentioned it. That's awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, it certainly has been helpful. I mean, I didn't think I, I would ever sort of move back into um, sort of writing, but it's a huge part of the way that I work. And I love that Instagram allows when it, when Instagram isn't blocking or banning or reporting me, <laughs> I love that it is, you know, a free form of education for people. Do you get that a lot? Do your posts get taken down often? All the time. Oh, yeah. Man, and so if anyone looks at my Instagram, you'll see that I use, have to use coded language. Like, mm. I can't say the word sex. I spell it S3X or I'm really conscious of the imagery that I choose. Like anything that's too sexual, even things that aren't that sexual, they might just be sort of bodies that don't even, you know, you can't even see genitals or nipples or anything. Um, so, yeah, I'm constantly reported and banned and the algorithm sort of picks me up all the time oh, the algorithm <laughs> the damn algorithm oh no yeah as we were saying earlier we've never had so many people 
ever write into a question box um, when we said we had you coming on. So we got hundreds of submissions, but interestingly, a lot of them were quite similar. So we've narrowed it down to our top questions. Um, so yeah, we'll ask you some of those. First question, advice for when your significant other has a lower sex drive than you. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That was a really no. big one. We got yes. A lot of <laughs> yes. So I think this is the most common reason that couples will seek support from a professional um, because there is a lot of misinformation around what a healthy and normal sex drive or desire type is. And there are a few things that you can do. So the first thing is um, to book in and see a professional to get the support that you need because, of course, we're all individual, we all are unique and, um, you know, even one session can do a lot to sort of get the information you need and move forward. Um, But then I think ultimately it's a bit of education around what desire actually is. So When we think about desire or when we think about a healthy sexual relationship, we often assume that when we are in love with someone or we're really happy in the relationship or we're really attracted to them, that everyone should just want to have sex at the exact same time, the same amount, and your sex life will be great. And sure, that can be the case for some people, but I think that you have to learn how to be a great lover. And a lot of people don't No, because we're not given the opportunity to learn these skills. So when people come to see me about this specific concern around libido or desire, we look at the two desire types. So when we think about desire, I think people often assume that you will get this um, urge for sex out of nowhere. And that is one way of experiencing desire. And we call that spontaneous desire. So as the name suggests, you are spontaneously keen, you're spontaneously ready. The thought or the um, excitement for sex feels like it kind of comes out of nowhere. That is what we see in movies. We see it in porn. We hear it from our friends, you know, that kind of desire type we know quite well. But it's just one way of experiencing desire. And the other way of experiencing desire is called responsive desire. And essentially what this refers to is how much stimulus your body needs in order to respond to desire or to have that responsive desire type. So that could be an hour long massage, or it could be someone going down on you for 20 minutes, or it could be someone saying, Hey, I've got something really sexy planned for tonight. I want you to go home, have a shower and meet me upstairs. Or, you know, all these kinds Yeah, and I think once you can get a sense of, you know, that this is that responsive desire is actually the way more common way of experiencing desire, Um, but we just don't know about it. And people who have responsive desire type will often say, you know, I'm just not thinking about sex or I'm not wanting it. But then, you know, after being kissed or touched or even someone suggesting sex, I'm like, oh, yeah, sex, that was in front of mine, but I could have sex right now or I could do this with you right now now. So firstly, we get a sense of your desire type. um, And then that just really takes a lot of pressure off people. And they think, oh, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm completely normal. I just haven't understood that desire works in a few different ways. It's also really important, I think, for people with vulvas or women to understand um, that often it can take 
quite a bit of time to build arousal. Like say with the penis, it can become erect pretty quickly. You know, you see arousal instantly. But when it comes to someone with a vulva, sometimes that arousal response can take some time. So we need to create the context that people, that all people can have the time that they need in order to desire sex, to feel turned on and all of those things. And then there are a few other activities that we could get into whereby we look at what you need to desire sex. So a really simple thing that we'd work through would be looking at everything that turns them off. So we call that their breaks so everything that is like oh no I'm just not wanting sex it could be stress at work it could be a messy house it could be not feeling confident you know all of those things and then we look at all the things that turn them on so it could be you know the set a setting going away on holidays someone telling them they look attractive you know all the things that accelerate them or turn them on and then we find a way to um, invite or create a context for less breaks in their life and more accelerators in their life and I guess for anyone who's wanting to um, delve deeper into this Emily Nagoski I'm just getting the book has a great workbook come as you are which it just as you'll see I mean this is a podcast so everyone won't be seeing that but um (laughs) there are there are great so many great activities that you can work through with a partner or on your own so that you can understand desire a bit more and Emily Nagoski has just change the way we um see relationships and sex and desire we can link the book down below in the show notes if you guys are interested we had a um semi book club but maybe we could reignite it for that book. i was really (laughs) passionate about the book club but no one else (laughs) wanted to do it but Uh, i I could definitely get around reading a sex book yeah let's link it we'll link it for you guys if anyone's interested Thank you. Bring it back. Yes. It's <laughs> really interesting, though. I really like yeah. that point about the spontaneous. Like, that's the one that you see. And I think everyone thinks that that's how it should be. But actually, mm. in real life, it's yeah. not necessarily like that all I, the time. You just sort of have to have those conversations, I guess, with your partner. Because, yeah, it's pretty unlikely that you're going to be on the exact same, you know, desire type. So I love what you said there. That's really important, mm. I think. Also, if you're in a relationship, we get this question actually pretty much any time we do a question box, um, people in long-term relationships wanting to spice things up. Things are getting a bit boring. You may be having sex, never. <laughs> what do we do? How do we make it exciting again? Thoughts? Yes. Oh, wow. I feel like the Google SEO on that would just feed oh, you so yeah. many <laughs> articles, you know, Dolly Doctor. Oh, Dolly this, Doctor. Um, <laughs> I love, like, you know, past. a few sealed sections yeah. and... Yeah, I mean, spicing it up. I I have a I have such a love hate relationship with the concept of spicing things up. I think that's just because I've seen read so many listicles in my time that I'm like, eh, is that what real humans would do and would enjoy? Or is this just sort of you know? Anyway, I'm critiquing it, but I think when it comes down to um, reinvigorating a sex life or feeling more passion or more excitement I really like to just normalize the fact that we've been through and we still are going through a global pandemic and nothing is more of a mood kill or a buzz kill than the the collective fear and you know uncertainty that spans across a whole range of human experiences so I really like to look at you know what's maybe 
getting in the way between you and having the sex life that you want. Um, and if that is stress or, you know, boredom or being stuck at home with the same person or a whole range of things, um, what can you do to, yeah, I guess, um, create more excitement or spontaneity within the the current context that you have. But then I think that when it comes to erotic memorability um, and things that really do turn us on, firsts and surprises often come up for people as things that are exciting. And, you know, a first experience or a surprise, of course, within, you know, the context of consent and everyone's excited about being there, even something as simple as like sensory play. So there's so much that you can do when it comes to sensory play. If you have a blindfold or um, a range of toys or foods that you can explore a lot with power dynamics. So someone who is giving the pleasure and gets to feel into or be in that moment of having the power or having the trust of other. But then the other person who is is in the position of being able to be more submissive and um, really being able to lean into the trust and being able to receive new experiences. So I think that, you know, the trying of new things when it comes to a sensory um, experience can be really exciting for people. But then also things like toys and tools that you might have at your disposal. There are so so many great um, aesthetic, sexy, pleasurable toys out there at the moment that that can be really fun to use on your own but also to use with other people. And then I think another thing is, you know, those are just two examples, but really it would be way more useful for the individual to get a sense of what are you excited by? Like what is something that you've always been curious about or what's something that um, when you listen to it in either an erotic audio novel or you're reading something or you see something online, what piques your interest and then what can you do to explore that novel or that new thing? So I think the first thing is is normalising it. There's nothing wrong with you at all. It's very normal what you're going through. Doing a bit of research and feeling into what does excite you and then being really vulnerable with your partner or, you know, whoever you're in relationship with and say, I'm curious about this. I think it will be really fun for our sexual relationship relationship how do you feel about exploring this with me when would you suggest you bring this up like straight after sex or like before like when's a good time to have this conversation um with your partner and not hurt their feelings also because you know they might take it a bit to heart if you're like i'm bored Yes, for sure. And that's such a great question. Um, And I think there is certainly a time and a place for this. I always, I mean, this will be different for the individual, but I always think it's a a great, a great time to do it is to do it in a non-sexual and non-threatening context. So for some people that might be mean going on a walk. And, you know, that's great because you're kind of doing something at the same time, but you're able to be sort of open and honest and, you know, speaking together. Or it might be that you set aside some time at dinner and you're like, I, you know, I want to have a really nice dinner with you. And I also want to speak about our sex life and what we can do to make it even better. So I don't think it's one of those conversations that is best to be had 
during sex or (laughs) then just before sex that could feel quite stilted and sometimes even after perhaps it's more useful to spend time integrating the sexual experience you know hugging it out checking in doing all the aftercare and then a a little time after to maybe bring up the conversation and there's also a bit of an approach that I think always works so First is sort of making sure it's the right time and place for you and for others so that it's safe and that you can all be vulnerable. Then it is speaking to, I guess, the benefits or the, you know, what you're curious about, why you think this is something that will be beneficial for your sexual relationship and why you're really wanting to explore it. Then also validating the fact that, you know, you love the relationship and you're happy and content or whatever you're experiencing in your relationship and you think would sort of support them in in knowing that it's, you know, not there's nothing wrong with them, there's nothing wrong wrong with the relationship, but you're just trying to find ways to make it even better. Um, And then to get really constructive around what that means. So what would this look like? Give them as much information as you have so that they can really make an informed decision. Maybe they will ask questions or you'll want to ask questions from them too. And then know that if they do say no and they're not open to it, that you can't coerce or force or convince someone into doing anything. Um, But then it's maybe you getting a sense of where you need to go from there. So if it's a no and maybe you want to go speak to a professional about it or, you know, write about it or speak to a trusted sex positive friend or person in your life about what you're sort of working through at the moment. And then if it's a yes, awesome, like go and explore and try it out. So, yeah, it, there certainly is a time and place to bringing up the sex conversation, but there's also a way to do it so that, you, you know, everyone feels safe and heard. That's actually incredible advice. I yeah. Because yeah. everyone wants to know, like, when's the best time to yeah. chat about something. And it is such a delicate conversation, like yes. you said, and it is so important to reinforce that you are happy and you love them mm. and, like, everything's fine, but you're just trying to make it better. So, no, I really like what you said there. How to feel confident and empowered in the bedroom? Oh, gosh, these questions. Our our (laughs) listeners really went in. They did go in. And I think this is great. This is another, what I'm really seeing from these questions, they're sort of the most common areas or concerns that I work with. So feeling more confident when it comes to sex. This is just something that I'd work through in multiple sessions with people because I think even like the people who you might see and you're like, wow, they're so sexually confident, even they at some points in their life or their relationship with their body or others will have moments where they don't feel sexually confident. And I think everyone can always be doing something to feel more connected to their body, to their boundaries, to their desires so that they can have a really great sex life. So it is a seriously huge topic and I certainly will not be able to answer, you know, what you can do in this question. Um, But I would look at it in a few ways. The first is I'd look at what's informing this lack of confidence. Is it the images that you see around sex and pleasure or bodies? Is it who you're following online? Is it the conversations that you're having? Is it social, political, cultural? Yes, it always is. I think we're not just like 
sexual beings that, you know, have 20 minutes of sex and and that's us. We're informed by the messages that we've had from, you know, what we can first remember about sex and bodies. So really getting a sense of what is your idea about sex and bodies and confidence and maybe what has informed your ideas and where the lack of confidence has come from because of that. Um, That way then we can sort of detach from the fact that, you know, maybe it's not you, maybe it is just these warped ideas we have around sex. Then we might work through some sort of embodied counselling practices whereby we really come back to the body. Um, So much of the work that you know, people think of when they think of sex and sex coaching, it's all about sort of the cognitive or the practical technical skills. But a lot of the time, it's also about really tuning into your embodied awareness and what your body wants and what your body needs. Um, Another approach could be communication skills, because a lot of people don't feel confident in voicing their desires. And because of that, they don't voice their desires. So, it could be, you know, really practicing that um, sexual communication skill with their whoever they're having sex with, um, but also the process of feeling into it, like what do I actually want? How do I want to be touched? And then that could also come into like a self-pleasure practice whereby we create a masturbation routine and every day they get to explore something new or explore a new part of their body um, so they do really understand their wants and their needs and desires and another process or part of it would also be um, really learning and practicing their boundaries because often people say I don't feel confident or I don't feel empowered or I don't want to engage with this because I don't know what to do if I don't like it and I'm scared I'm going to have to endure it so we work through you know all of that and what that looks like so yeah it is an incredibly huge thing and even you know what the the work through neuroplasticity that I neuroplasticity essentially looks at the fact that um you can rewire and reshape um your brain through engaging in new behaviours and new habits. So neuroplasticity could be looking at a thought or a process that's like, I'm not sexy, I'm not deserving of pleasure, identifying that as not being useful or healthy and thinking, okay, what do I want to say to myself or how would I like to reshape or reframe this thought and then choosing that too. So my approach for working with sexual self-confidence, yeah, falls into the embodied awareness or the somatic approach we also look at the context so the social cultural and political things that impact it um, and then more of the relational areas so that they can work through it with themselves or other but it's such a big <laughs> such a big question big topic. <laughs> this is a big one Mm-hmm. Is this the climax one? Yeah. yeah I knew it would be. <laughs> Female orgasms. Now, when I say we had so many women write in saying that they have never orgasmed with a partner, we also yeah. had a man write in asking if all women's orgasms were fake. Tell us. He said he was like, tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. Are, all, uh, are women always faking it? Do they even exist? So mm. let's unpack the gap and... What is going on? (laughs) Yeah, yes. Okay. So there's a lot in that question and a lot of perspectives. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so I work with um, orgasm a lot and the orgasm gap essentially um, refers to the um, displacement of or the, the lack of orgasm within heterosexual relationships. So a few years ago they found out that heterosexual cis men were climaxing more than heterosexual cis women um, when they were having sex. But, you know, this is because when we think about sex, we still think sex is a penis going inside a vagina. Yes, that is one way to have sex, but for a lot of people with vulvas, that is not stimulating the clitoris at all. And I noticed in the question that they that people were writing in saying they've never climaxed with a partner. So that makes me think, okay, so do you climax on your own? Do you climax while you masturbate? Because a lot of the time people come to see me and they're like, I've never come. I I can't climax. I don't, I never experience orgasm. And then when we get a sense of, okay, so what, how are you having sex? And are you masturbating? And they're like, yeah, no, no, I can come while I masturbate. I'm totally fine with that. It's just, is there something wrong with me because I can't come with a partner? And then we look at the you know, what's the, what's the difference? How are you having sex with yourself? And how is that different to how you're having sex with other? And a lot of the time they're not getting any clitoral, external clitoral stimulation when they're having sex with a partner. And they're, you know, when we understand penetrative sex, we can really see that the important needed pleasure zones like the clitoris aren't um, getting enough stimulation at all. So really, we need to completely redefine sex. We need to look at sex as a range of sexual experiences, be it oral, outer course, be it stimulating any part of the body. It could be a really great um, kiss. It could be dry humping, could be masturbating in the shower. Like there's so many different ways that you can have sex and we must redefine it away from sex just equaling a penis in a vagina because not everyone has sex in that way, leaves out a whole group of people who don't like to have sex in that way. But also it means that people aren't getting the stimulation that they need. So that's the first thing. To the person who said, are all women faking it? Um, (laughs) I mean, look, like this is, I think, just one of those things that I would really get a sense of how is this person having sex and if they're having sex by putting their penis inside of someone and thinking that that you know pumping them for a few minutes is the way to build <laughs> orgasmic so sensation so <laughs> pumping them for a few minutes oh yeah here we go <laughs> we're done here high five like <laughs> that's it oh yeah <laughs> And, and these are, and when I speak to, and, and I say this, yes, comically, because I guess the, the question was uh, assuming that all women are faking it, which is just such a reductive understanding of sexuality for people with vulvas. You know, their orgasm and their pleasure isn't for your satisfaction. It's quite a, I think, a, a selfish approach. Um, but <laughs> what yeah i would really encourage them to look at is how they are having sex and what can how focused are they on someone else's pleasure and if they're really curious around orgasm and if they're really curious around whether women are faking it are you ever asking them how they like to be touched are you ever asking them to 
to show you how they like to be touched or the way that they like to have sex or what they like to do when they masturbate? Are you ever checking in on certain techniques or things that you can do to support them in feeling more pleasure and sensation? So, I mean, Yes, there certainly are people who fake it and they fake it for a range of reasons. They fake it because they're bored. They fake it because they don't want to offend you. They fake it because they want it to end. Um, But then also some people fake it because faking orgasm turns them on and makes them come. So whilst I'm not against faking it, um, people do things because they want to and they need to and that's completely up to them but I just invite people to get a sense of why and is there perhaps a better approach to faking orgasms so that you can start experiencing pleasure so um yes it is when it comes to sex if you're having penetrative sex, it is less likely statistically for you to climax. The majority of people with vulvas need external stimulation in order to climax. Um, So I would say get some education around um, anatomy and pleasure and orgasm, practice it on yourself. So really coach yourself, get, you know, explore your body and then also work through anything that's kind of getting in the way between you and releasing into pleasure and sensation, because a lot of the time it does, a lot of people are quite stressed or, um, they're really tense and concentrating on willing themselves to orgasm. And anytime like you're tense and you're clenched and you're trying to sort of make yourself come, it's quite a disembodied thing. So there, there are a few things, but ultimately if, you know, for anyone who's listening to this, I just want to normalize the fact that what you're experiencing is just completely normal because we don't have sex in a way, or we don't understand sex in a way that invites people with vulvas into the experience what about we had a few people writing and say that um in heterosexual relationships that their boyfriend or partner will come and then that's the end of the sex and they haven't Mm -hmm. yet how do you suggest initiating that conversation around you know like maybe like keep going or you know things like that um because i feel like a lot of the time the girl the woman feels quite left out Mm, sure yeah yeah. yes so that uh, perhaps is a conversation that either happens you know before or outside of a, a sexual context and it could be saying something as hey you know I noticed that every time we have sex you will climax and I won't and I'm just curious like what how interested are you in sort of having equal access to pleasure? Because my orgasm and my pleasure is incredibly important to me and I don't feel like I'm getting enough of it or I don't feel like I have the opportunity to explore or experience that with you. And then it's, you know, it might be a tricky conversation. It will definitely be quite vulnerable, but how they respond to it will be really telling. So if they aren't that concerned then that's a whole other issue and area to work through that maybe you'd go see a professional for or maybe you really feel into whether that's the sexual relationship that you want in your life and then if they 
realize and they're like, oh, wow, I just, I didn't know it was important to you or I didn't even think about that, then what can you do to have sex in a way that is different and you will need to have sex differently because it's currently not working for you um, so that you can experience pleasure? And is that that before any kind of thing happens with a penis that you get to receive oral or you get to receive what you want or maybe it's um, learning how to regulate arousal so if the person with the penis is coming really quickly perhaps they can find ways to move up and down their arousal ladder or scales so stopping or pausing if they feel like they're about to climax and if they are and they do what other tools or what other things can you do is it that they use a toy on you while you masturbate or um, that they go down on you after they've come so yeah doing things differently um, so that you can experience orgasm because when I speak about orgasm a lot of it is taking the pressure off orgasm and making sure people don't feel pressured to come because that can feel really stressful. But it's also getting a sense of when is orgasm important to you? And it might be important to you if you never get to experience it, but your partner always does. This conversation is so interesting. I know. <laughs> I'm loving it. This is so great. Okay. How to have conversations around trying a new technique or position with you or communicating that you don't like something that they're doing without offending them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think the best approach to this is to have a practice and a play session. So if you're trying something new, setting it up and saying, okay, I want to try this new thing. The first time we do it, we don't need to blow each other's minds, but we're just going to practice together. So it, it might be really vocal and you might say, oh, okay, that pressure feels really good, but don't move to the left. Or I need you to slow right down and then slow down some more or, you know, whatever it is so that you're being really vocal and giving them the information that they need in a practice session. So you don't need to be perfect at it, but you're just learning together. And then you have a play session whereby you bring all of those skills into a new sexual experience and you get curious about it. You've also developed some really great communication tools or skills in this practice session. So definitely use them, um, but maybe you'll use it in a different tone or a different way so that you're still getting what you want. So separating it, I find, is always really useful, especially when it comes to something new because if just like any new skill, like you, if you were to learn to speak German and you've done an hour of German and, you know, you wouldn't be expected to then have a conversation fluent <laughs> and, you know, without any mistakes. And I think that's the same with sex that everyone just assumes that you should just be good at it yeah. and you should just, you know, know where to touch and how to touch. So a practice and a play session could work for this person. That's actually incredible advice. And what you said is so true. I feel like we've sort of always been conditioned to think that you just are meant to know what you're doing. And how. if you're told one time, like, oh, you should know now what you're doing. Moving yeah. Forward. Like, I, I don't know. So I think that's amazing. And yeah, everyone should be, I think, researching sex more. Um, like you can't expect to be good at anything. Mm. Like, like you said, German without yeah, practicing or studying or being interested in the topic. So, no, I think that's great to take the pressure Get off. Get curious. As well. Yeah, I like that. Practice mm -hmm. and play. Very cool. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. That's right. So this is a practice session. (laughs) Sit down. (laughs) I love it. That can also be really fun and kinky. Like, you know, to practice it can be fun. (laughs) Taking notes. Get our notepad. Ooh, mm, the last question the p word porn <laughs> um do you feel personally that porn has a negative impact on a relationship yeah so i'm not anti-porn okay. at all though so i there are many things to consider before mm. we even get into what i mean by that so the first is are they adults who are viewing it? Because I do not think children should be able to access mainstream porn because it's really confusing and they haven't received sex ed to know that it isn't a sexual, it, it isn't sex ed or it isn't a performance. So, um, yeah, when it's accessed by adults. But then also for these adults to be able to consume it in a mindful, embodied, aware and regulated way. So where they're not sort of addicted or they're dependent on using it, Um, when they know that, yes, this is a performance and these are actors and they've probably taken half a day to shoot this specific scene and they're fully aware that it is there to arouse their body. It is a sexual stimulus and it's there to turn them on. So it's certainly there are many things that we must consider before I would be sort of looking at the benefits of porn for people. It's very uh, dependent on the individual and it's also dependent on the type of porn too so in the in recent years we've seen the emergence of ethical porn which essentially is a pretty broad term for um, an industry that looks at um, and, and it's also quite hard to regulate because there is so much to consider but it looks at the fair and equal and respectful treatment of from the very beginning of production to looking at how the actors, who everyone involved is treated, they're paid fairly, and then also the consumption of the product or, yeah, the film as well. So ethical porn, I think, is the way moving forward. And, of course, that could be visual, but then it could be audio as well. So there's quite a few different sort of things to look at under the umbrella of ethical porn. Um, So looking at the type of person, looking at the porn and, you know, where it, where it's housed, how it's created. I think that when we, and often ethical porn, you have to pay for it too because you have to pay for things that you access and to ensure that the artists and um, the production team are paid fairly as well. So the only, I guess the question that you asked is, can it be damaging to a relationship? Absolutely, it can be damaging to a relationship. And I think for many reasons in that everything that I've just spoken to, if it's if they're dependent on it or if it's warping their sense of sex and what real sex is, their expectations of sex, it may have an impact on their sexual functioning and their, um, their need for a certain amount of stimulus. So, yes, it absolutely can impact an individual and a relationship. And if you are feeling that it is impacting you, go get the support that you need. There are so many amazing practitioners and professionals and support groups and online forums out there that can help you if you feel it is impacting you. 
Um, and for some people, it may also be a really great tool where they get to explore or experience or dabble in a, a part of their eroticism. It could be about sexual exploration. Some people may use it as an education tool, though I would never recommend it as an education tool because, I mean, it's it is a performance, but for them to learn about themselves or to learn about different ways to touch bodies or different things that they're curious about. So, yeah, is can porn damage a relationship? It's just so dependent on the individual and on, you know, who they are, whether they're adults, the kind of porn they're consuming and, you know, how it is impacting their bodies. Could, would you say it could almost if consumed properly, be of benefit um, as a way to bring up if you are feeling a bit nervous about having conversations specifically around what you want and you do want to hurt their feelings, maybe porn could be like a segue. You could like maybe we could watch something. I like this video. Spe- what do you think of this? Specifically, like look at the way they do that. If you are feeling, you know, a bit insecure or shy around verbalising exactly mm. what you want, um, do you think? potentially for sure absolutely within the right context and and the you know specific relationship it could be a great vehicle for expression curiosity something to watch together to see you know how did your body respond to that does that excite you or look at that technique like I'd love to try that or that's something that I'd want to explore at some point in our lives not quite yet but it is sort of on my mind so within the right context and in the you know specific relationship relationship it could be a great tool and lots of couples do use it as a tool so yeah I guess it's just having that that checklist of are we adults you know how is it produced how mindful am I am I dependent on this or not and just making sure I actually have a a checklist that I could send to you on Instagram so that people can maybe just spark that um but yeah, no, that's a great point. And like, and it can also be really fun to do that with someone. Um, can be really exciting to watch a sexy scene together. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, well, we're running out of time. So let's wrap this up, even though I feel like we could, we could listen talk to you. for so long yeah. about this. It's such <laughs> an interesting topic. Yes. And you're so knowledgeable. It's it's amazing. Thank you. Um, we've absolutely loved chatting with you. Thank you again for coming on. Yes. I've loved chatting with both of you too and thank you for making this conversation around sex accessible to your community because I think that's the really important thing, that the more we can speak openly about sex, the more we will transform our ideas around sex. So thank you for having me. Of course. What is your socials? Where can everyone find you? Absolutely plug yourself. Go. Okay, so I'm on Instagram as gspot.underscore and that's probably the easiest place to find me and then everywhere else from there. You can find my website, you can get in touch with me. Um, Yeah, just just head to Instagram if I'm not blocked or banned. (laughs) The algorithm. No, absolutely follow her Instagram. I've been following your page for a really long time and I always Kaylin has been raving about it. Yeah, I always learn so much from your posts and your polls and everything, so I cannot recommend it enough. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you again and have a good day. Yes. Pleasure. You too. See ya. Bye. Bye. Wow. What a great conversation. (laughs) That was fantastic. I just love talking with her. She's so great. Oh, my God. She's so smart and just, I was, and so beautiful. I couldn't stop looking at her in the Zoom. We the same. I was just like looking at her. I was like, wow, she looks so put together. You guys can't see, but. 
we got to see. But we hope that you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I know that we definitely did. Um, and maybe we could even, you know, do more sex topics in the future as well. Because yeah. I know that we had such a massive response from you guys when we posted about getting a sex coach on. So we know that you guys have a lot of interest around the topic. So, yeah, let us know your thoughts and feedback. Yeah, there were so many questions we just couldn't even cover because of, obviously, time restraints. But we'll definitely get to those in the future because everyone's curious i'm curious um it's good to be curious 100 percent. anyways <laughs> are you laughing percent. i keep saying it it's not great it's not good for me oh i think God. i've i've lost the plot since the accident mm, sorry I'm just, i mean i just still don't know if i can joke about it understandable thank you anyways thank you guys so much for listening i hope if you're in sydney lockdown that this got knocked another hour off your off your day at home anyways though that is everything from us thank you guys so much for listening if you have any other questions or comments surrounding the topic make sure you reach out to georgia herself on her instagram or you can also post in our facebook group we love you all so much and we will see you in next week's episode bye